Welcome to another SoundCloud first on SoundCloud session. We're going to jam out to some kid Quill who's on the stage while we let people come in. What's up, Quill? Hi, Doug. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, Mitchell. What up, Doug? New single right here. I like this, some intro music. <laughs> yeah, technically. <laughs> Welcome everyone who's joining us. And shout out if you're brand, brand new to Clubhouse and you didn't need an invite, because today was the day that it opened up to everyone. I think we're just waiting on Kevin. I just shot him a text. Okay. Welcome, welcome, everyone. We're going to get started in just a minute. Where'd you shoot the video for this, Quill? Literally in the cul-de-sac that I live in. Nice. Yep. Figured I was like, was whose trash did he take out? <laughs> <laughs> My own. <laughs> That's great. Yes, sir. That's keeping it all the way real. It's BJ's idea. <laughs> it was funny. Another artist shot a music video in the exact same cul-de-sac, uh, at least <laughs> oh, like wow. a week prior to us. So sort of ironic. Who had the idea, though, first? Uh, we shot ours like two months before them. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. I got you. Welcome, everyone. I think we will get started. Yeah, we'll yeah. Cat for... said he's wrapping something up, then it'll, it'll hop Perfect, on. perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, well, welcome back, friends and fam, to another episode of First on SoundCloud's Clubhouse Sessions. This is where we chat with each First on SoundCloud artist and their team to learn how they've made it to this moment, to find out what they're working on next. I always say this is your front row and center chance to go behind the scenes into the artist's journey. So whether you're a fan of Kid Quill, you're a friend, or you're someone who just stumbled into our room, we're so excited to have you here. Make sure to follow the SoundCloud Club, which is the greenhouse at the very top. Don't miss a talk ever, ever, ever. Make sure to follow all of us on stage. And this is kind of how we do it. For the first 45 minutes, we'll chat with Kid Quill and his team. And then we open up questions for the last 15 minutes. So I see some hands are raised already. If you have questions, please save them for the end. Don't forget what you want to ask. We'll bring you up one by one. So without further ado, our talk today features rapper, artist, songwriter, musician, Kid Quill. Sorry, your air horn was too low. <laughs> that is the proper greeting. The How air horns, doing? all right. <laughs> I see what's going on. It's official. We only do things officially. Um, Quill, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, good. I'd love to introduce uh, BJ and Doug, if y'all want to introduce yourselves and tell us what your role is and how you're connected to Quill's life. Yeah. So uh, I creative direct for... Uh, Quill and been with him for about seven years since I was a little kid. We toured around the country way back in the day. Um, and yeah, I just have my hands in pretty much anything and everything. Uh, whatever, whatever needs to be done, we just figure it out. So that's sort of my involvement. Yeah, and we're going to get to you later too, BJ, because a lot of the visuals are just uh, crazy and, and you're responsible for them. So we'll, we'll get to you in a minute. Um, hi, Doug. I saw you changed your icon photo. I did something <laughs> a little bit more traditional. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> Good. Tell us, um, your role. You have a pretty big role in Quill's life. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm still in the heartland. I'm still just outside of Indianapolis. 
technically, I was Mitch's booking agent probably until about 2018 and his first roadie. Uh, but I'm also his dad too. So I, I jumped in pretty quick and, and was as day one as BJ was. Yeah, we're going to get to how cool that is um, <laughs> in a little bit. I think most artists would love if they're if their parents came on board in that capacity. Um, Kevin, hi, hi. We're just doing introductions. Tell us your role in Coil's life. Hey, how's everybody doing? I'm um, I'm the producer. I'm one of the I'm, I'm one of the producers and uh, the executive producer of his latest yeah. project. Boom. Great. We'll get to you in a bit, too. Um, Quill, I always ask the most important question first which is, what is your zodiac sign? Pisces. Okay. Yeah, emotional. Little fish, Little fish. <laughs> okay. Uh, February? Yep, February uh, 21st. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, um, so people can understand you a little more. So you're from Indiana. Yep. And I want to know if there's something about being from the Midwest that kind of shaped your perception and love for hip hop and, and what your upbringing was like there. No. Yeah. And then I feel like in the Midwest, things are just like uh slow, you know, like, I guess like slower than it is like in LA or in New York or um, it's just like a lot of, you know, you make a lot of like really personal connections with neighbors and people you go to school with. Cause there's not like a bunch of stuff to do. So it's like, uh, I feel like I'm a very homebody. Like, I feel like I'm very homey. Um, and I come from a small town just outside of Indianapolis. Um, it's like 20 minutes Southeast. Um, but I feel like with hip hop, it just kind of was like, a and rap music in general was like a natural thing just because it's kind of what all that we listened to, uh, growing up. And I felt like, uh, every moment in my life, I can like link to some type of song that I was listening to in the moment. And I know my dad always used to play young Jeezy in the car going to school. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Your dad so. just keeps getting the, the cool points uh, added to the meter. Hey Mitch, you know, I was, I was thinking about that as we were thinking about tonight, because we, we wore the hell out of uh, the Murphy Lee CD as we were driving around. Yeah. You know, we were, just, yeah. we were on the St. Lunatics. Uh, Jay, I can remember Jay Kwan was your first unedited CD, as far as I know. I mean, you may have bootlegged one, but. Not my first. I wonder, uh, you know. Sorry, go ahead. We had Chingy and Nelly and Murphy Lee and all those guys were playing a lot. I don't know. First, I don't know if that bled in or not. First, um, first unedited CD that I snuck under your nose was Tony Yayo's solo album. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably lots of things you snuck under our nose that we didn't know about. <laughs> um, okay, we need to take this back a level. Uh, Doug, what was your upbringing like? Did you listen to, what did you listen to growing up? Oh, boy. Um, it, it was uh, probably just the traditional, I mean, I'm, I'm 56, so it was 70s and 80s and probably what would it, what whatever was true to that genre. Um, my my parents were big jazz fans, so I constantly played in the house when we were growing up. But I, you know, the, probably when when Mitch was impressionable, it was a lot of pop punk. It was a lot of Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day, Bowling um, for Soup, Bowling for Soup, Av Avril Lavigne, uh, Newfound Glory. I mean, probably when Mitch was impressionable, a lot of that was playing. Okay, um, yeah, the, you get you get a five star. Um parent award and that kind of makes sense too because the mix that you have quill with rapping and and a lot of melody whether that's on the hook or it seems like you had a have a lot of love for like choir harmonies in the background like there's definitely a lot of big pop sounds that come from your music so i'm kind of it's all making sense sure and, you know, I was I was talking about BJ a second ago because I love the opener, the video and song. I'm sure it's a crowd favorite, but I think anyone who's ever been an artist is just like, oh, my God, I fucking relate to every every like lyric in the song and every part of the video, which is hilarious. Um, BJ, like you're you seem to be kind of like the secret sauce. Um 
can you tell us about that video and I guess what you love uh, about the creative process working with Quill? Uh, with that video specifically, I mean, the song is so specific and that's, that's with all of Quill's uh, songwriting is he's such a specific songwriter to where capturing um, the visuals for that was really just like, just matched perfectly. Um, because for anyone that doesn't know, Quill has a song called The Opener that's like, what's it like being an opener? Uh, when you're opening on tours and stuff like that, it's uh, it's a grind. You're not um, a lot of people don't no one is there to see you and you have to make them like enjoy you and try to become a fan. Um, so it's a it's a grind. Um, and it's a pretty awesome song that Quill wrote about that lifestyle. And Quill, you you seem to kind of embrace exactly where you're at and you can kind of follow your evolution through the music what was the moment where you felt like you graduated from being an opening act to a headliner? Um, it actually is not that far behind me. I feel like it was um, like right when, before the world shut down, fall of 2019, uh, I went on my first headline run. Um, and we did like a 800 cap venue in Indy. Um, and I feel like that was like, I remember getting off stage and being like, this is the, that 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 felt like you know we graduated um i have a funny story about that about that show in indy it was like uh probably one of the biggest moments of my career and we got back off stage and we were all just kind of you know turned up having fun and my grandma she she was there and she's like one of my biggest fans um and she fell backstage and kind of hurt her shoulder and my uncle walked around the corner and saw it and he passed out. And so oh I, so I walked around the corner and I just saw like two of my family members laying on the ground and it was like, Oh shit. It was a very sobering moment. Um, but no, that was like the moment that, that we felt like, at least for me, BJ, I know you were there too, where it was like, damn, like all those late nights in the car started to feel a little bit more worth it, I guess. Did you feel, like, well, I have two questions for that night. Number one, were you like, oh, shit, my performance just, like, made my whole family faint? Or what did you think happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was one of our, I mean, it's, minus, like, a mic feedback at the beginning, it was one of our cleanest shows. So it was like a, it felt really good getting off stage. Um, but there's a picture of my grandma somewhere on my phone where she's, like, wearing merch that I printed, like, I don't even know, like, four years ago. And a fan took a photo of her and she was just like, had her tongue sticking out like a rock star, like with her, with her shirt open, just like flashing the merch. Um, it's definitely one of those moments, like, you know, you read like uh, comments on the internet that like, you know, people like what you're doing, but to see like a family member really get behind it, it's, it's a little bit of a different feeling. I mean, this is wild. You clearly have like a lineage of um, just cool parents and grandparents. Like, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've heard this story too many times um and shout to your grandmom i saw that picture of her in front of your billboard um <laughs> posing, posing like a g yeah. um it would be very cool to hang with her one day at a show um She's a legend and then second for that headliner show was was that the first time that kind of the whole crowd was really there just for you and do they know a lot of the words yeah because it was like it was our first time going out on a headline run and like leading up to that there were moments where like I was opening tours where it, it started to like lean towards people and started knowing the words. Like when I was opening for uh, Bryce Vine, the February before that in 2019, like people knew words and it was starting to feel like, you know, it's time. But when we get out and we did the headline run, um, I remember the first show, it was like, just fucking, it was like, Oh shit. Like, not only did they know like you know the bigger songs i have but they knew like even the catalog songs like like the opener and every night on that tour we actually closed with the opener you know because wow. it was like kind of an kind of like kind of an ironic like that was my encore like you know we're not the opener anymore you know yep. first headline show in this city first headline show in this city but indie was the one since there were so many more people there it was like you could really really hear it and the energy was just a little different you know that's awesome. That feeling is kind of unmatched. And shout out to Bryce Vine. I think I interviewed him 
right before he went out on a couple of those tours. So I, a show with you and him is probably very high energy. Yeah, he's a really good dude. I like Bryce a lot. He's yeah. a great guy, for sure. Another thing that's cool that you do is that a few of your songs feature um, children's choirs and, and samples, like Chat with the Sky, Kids in the Summer. Can you kind of tell us the story behind both of those? Yeah, we were kind of working on those songs and just like the energy, you know, Kids in the Summer was about like really growing up, um, for me at least, like growing up in kind of the middle of nowhere, Indiana, like in a small town. And then like, you know, going to Indianapolis when we wanted to like get out of the house and riding bikes and stuff. And I was like, what a better way to capture that energy than to just have kids come in and, and also sing the hook to kind of pull at the heartstrings a little bit. Um, but as any artist probably knows, like back in those days, I was like kind of in the room trying to direct the kids on what to do. And it is like really kind of hard because they are kids, you know? And so like sometimes their articulation isn't all the way there. Like when like they're singing all in a group. And so some of those days are, are challenging days just to kind of, especially to try to keep their attention. I, I remember I'd pull up with like a 50 piece nugget from McDonald's, <laughs> you know, just try to. And bribe. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just trying to keep the energy high, you know. <laughs> but, and then did you have some of them in your video for Chat with the Sky? Um, no, that was uh, we shot that video in Washington um, and the and, and the director kind of pulled those in. But yeah, we just thought about doing like a magic school bus type of vibe for Chat with the Sky. Um, and it was fun. You know, it was like a cool little spin on a show that I used to watch growing up. I remember watching it in like second grade classes and first grade classes and i was like you know i think it kind of fits the vibe of the song so i'm talking about space and there's kids in it and i was like yeah it's kind of just like the perfect combo yeah i mean that video is like a whole movie um especially with the diner scene and the woman at the end and uh, uh i love it it's super emotional and really good um and you know kind of kind of taking it back to to doug real quick like I'd love to hear your point of view for watching Quill's journey from, I guess, you know, rapping just with his friends to it becoming a serious thing. Well, it's, it's definitely evolved. I, you know, point of view wise, for, for point of view, I was definitely shotgun and ride or, ride or die there for a while. Um, it was, if you're familiar with uh, Field of Dreams, that movie with Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones, uh, Mitch, Mitch was kind of like the, the Kevin Costner character. I mean, he, he saw it from the beginning, uh, kind of knew the path. And I was the James Earl Jones, like, I'll get in the car and go with you, but I'm not sure what we're doing. <laughs> um, so that's, that was kind of the vibe early on. I, you know, music wise point of view, you know, you've talked about the opener. I, I've always appreciated the bravery in that song and Mitch's writing in general. Uh, that's that's not an easy song to write uh, and, to, and to be that honest about the process. Um, and he and when he was performing that and even in the in the uh, uh, on tour, when he was the headliner, there was an A&R that said, you know, I don't I don't think you ought to perform that song. Uh, you're, you're the man now. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, there are so many kids that send in DMs and uh, emails to say, hey, I I know I'm an opener in my job. I get it. I identify with that song. I got to go through a process too. And I was just thinking, Hey, we're all openers at some point in time. So yeah. I, I appreciate his bravery in that. And that, and I think he's, he's honest in his writing. And I, I coach basketball back here in Indiana and I've always appreciated that he'll accept coaching. He knows, he knows he's got to get better. He knows that for himself, this is a process and, and the move to Los Angeles. Um, he, he knew he needed Kevin. Um, in his life, just in the way that our basketball players are like the good ones know they need coaching. And, and Mitch knew he needed coaching and he needed Kevin's right. I mean, in the last year, uh, Kevin's just uh, brought so much to my son that I, that I appreciate so much. So, um, and, and then journey wise, it was, it was January of 2013. I was driving home from work and he called me on the cell phone and said, Hey, you're going to get a call and you need to pretend to be my manager. And I was like, manager for what? And he's like, music. Uh, I'm trying to get on this show in Indianapolis. And, and literally, as we're talking, my phone is ringing uh, from this guy. So I said, okay, here we go. 
Uh, and then, you know, from that phone call on, it was try to try to learn and try to figure it out. And uh, we, we were always honest about who we were and what we were trying to do. We didn't try to pretend. Um, we tried to show up early to shows, be respectful. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think that's what I'll always appreciate because I've, I've listened to Jasmine, you're, you're a brilliant interviewer. I've listened to some of the other shows here and some of the different ages oh, of the first on SoundCloud. Well, awesome. you know, you take pride in the, in the class that SoundCloud has cultivated here and, and to have Mitch part of that. And, you know, I, I'm kind of romantic about the idea that, that Mitch and BJ, they, they grew this on the road. Uh, four, I think, I think four, I've lost track now, but four times across the country, coast to coast, uh, across Canada, uh, hundreds and hundreds of shows. And, and to think that from that phone call, we get to go see him in Wallapalooza in a couple of weeks. It's, it's been a fun ride and I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm in the back seat now and not in the front seat, but it has been a fun ride. And I, I just appreciate that they've kind of built this, uh, on handshakes and hugs um, pictures and meet and greets. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think, I, I know Mitch thinks too, that, uh, BJ is kind of a genius in what he does. Uh, you, fact. The, the secret sauce, um, is the fact, I mean, I think, you know, in that, in the two or two or three minute video that he captured in good, better, best of the, of the experience on the road and the, and the way that the kids, interact. I mean, I know in my mid fifties, that's, that's the currency is, is those relationships and the, and the way that you connect with people and the way that people connect with you, that that's the stuff that'll keep you going. And that's the currency. And, and BJ caught it uh, in that video. So I'm, I'm proud of the guys. It's, you know, Kid, Kid Quill is kind of a brand. Mitch is my son, but uh, Kid Quill is a brand that, that BJ has helped shape and mold and that, and that Kevin is, uh, I will say I, I know I've listened to some of the music and, and uh, Kevin has done a brilliant job of taking it where it was and moving it to where it's going right now. Wow. So um, for one, Quill, I'm just going to go hang out with your pops and your grandma. Um, you, <laughs> like in Indiana, like you could be on tour. You don't have to be there. Um, Pull up anytime. They just can they can cook me a home cooked meal and I'll just we'll just talk for hours. This is what we um, do. I'm down. So, you know, one thing you did bring up, Doug, was Kevin's role. And, um, you know, Kevin, you're you're in a video that I'll talk about in a minute. Um, and you can kind of see how intimate your role is, obviously, as a producer. And it, it seems like as a mentor as well. Um, tell us when you got connected into Quill's life and how the process has been working with him. All right, so I met Quill, and, and actually, Mitch, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. I'm terrible with dates, but um, I met him through a friend of ours, my friend Ron, who's uh, a producer and drummer and programmer and MD in his own right, and uh, we met, we actually physically met at his, at his studio, at his uh, apartment, and we were, you know, just kind of talking it over, and we just kind of, you know, hung out. And at the time, I was finishing up uh, Logic's, um, one of Logic's albums. And I was like, man, like, I like this dude. And I didn't think, I honestly, when he left, I was like, man, Mitch don't even, I don't think this guy likes me too much, man. So <laughs> I wasn't expecting to, you know, I wasn't expecting to hear from him. Um, and then, uh, maybe what was it like six months before the pandemic it was it was a yeah it was yeah it was like something before the pandemic he reached out and i was like oh oh man okay cool and we started talking and he started talking about his vision and um you know the thing is i do a lot of beginning uh artist development help work with a lot of artists like i did it with bj the chicago kid I did it with Logic. I did it with Big Shine. I had a lot of influence with J. Cole at the beginning of his career. Just a lot of people. Um, and that, the list goes on. But um, and a lot of those, a lot of those artists, um, pretty much every song on their first albums or were a major part of their albums and a lot of their videos and all kind of stuff. So when Mitch hit me, I was like, man, I, I like, man, I, I want to see what's gonna happen with this, cause 
for me, Mitch was one of the first uh, artists that I worked with that wasn't attached to a label because, you know, I've been doing a lot of work with like Motown, Def Jam, Universal, Universal Republic. I mean, just a lot of different people. And uh, man, when we finally got together, when he, he was like, man, I'm going to move out to L.A. And I was like, man. Middle of the pandemic, right, too. In the middle of the pandemic, yeah. like. And I was like, okay. I was like, all right, this this guy's kind of serious. I was like, let let's see what's gonna happen. So he moved. He, I mean, he drove across country. And when he got here, I was like, oh damn. I was like, this okay. So we met up, and and the, and the rest has been kind of history. So it's been kind of crazy. Yep. And that was kind of like I remember our first session was on uh, was on Zoom, right? Because <laughs> it was like middle of the pandemic and it was March, and we yes. and we started working on one of the first songs on the record, and it was like, yeah, that kind of worked. Maybe I should just move out. Yeah, and then we um, when '90s Kids came out and it, you know, started doing the numbers that it's doing and started, you know, people started knowing the words and all that stuff. We were like, man, we have something special here, you know. And I was like, yeah, this is going to work. It's all good. Yeah. Well, and that's a testament to you, Quill. By the way, when we say Mitch, Quill, or Kid Quill, we're talking about the same person. Yeah. Um, That's a testament to you because, Kevin, it sounds like your track record is, like, only with, <laughs> you know, top-notch artists. So if you saw something... Um, in Quill, and now you collaborate more often because you're both on the same coast. Like, sounds like there's something big in the works that you believe in. Yeah, you know the thing is, I'm the kind of person that I don't I don't work with people just to work with people. Um, Mitch and everybody who knows me knows I'm very I'm not gonna say opinionated, but I just have to believe in what you're doing in order for me to be able to accomplish the goal of it becoming something special because I've, you know, and earlier in my career, I worked with people just to be working with them. And I was like, yeah, this sucks. I'm never doing this again. And then when I started actually believing in the person first uh, and the product and their skill level and, you know, just the totality of who they are, then that's when my life started changing as a producer. And, uh, and, you know, I grew it's my, myself, you know, so that's that's kind of what when when I first saw him, I was like, this is, I, this is, I know what this is, you know. And again, I've done this before, you know. I, but you know, and it, it, a little bit different, but it, in the same way, like with Logic, it was very similar, very similar thing, you know. Def Jam, uh, No ID was like, man, figure it out. Uh, me and him got together, and the rest has been history. I need to give you an air horn for that gem drop you just threw. Uh, <laughs> well, if you if you don't if you don't know, I'm on the cover of a couple of Logic's albums, and I'm in a couple of his new videos. So, if, yeah, so yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm the guy I'm the black guy with glasses on, and <laughs> on the cover of his albums. Let's and go. my name is Kai Kai on the album. I'm, I have a speaking role on his album. Uh, okay, so AKA you're out here. <laughs> just in case you didn't know he's behind the scenes and in front um <laughs> that's fire um i just want to say real quick for anyone who's just come in the room this is soundcloud's first on soundcloud clubhouse sessions where we talk about how it takes a village because it always does and nobody talks about it enough um but we are here and we're talking with all the first on soundcloud artists of 2021 and today we're chatting with kid quill and his amazing team who keep impressing me um, nonstop. Uh, I want to talk about, since you you brought up, you know, being in videos and on covers, um, you're, you're in the Good, Better, Best video, which, BJ, did you, when it says, like, music video by BJ, does that mean that you produce and direct? Like, how many roles do you take? Mitch <laughs> laughs there, because it's just him and I. There's no one else, because... I mean, when you don't have like a label behind you, like literally every artist has these days, there's just like we can't afford to do crazy like these crazy big budget um, music videos. So it's just 
him and I doing everything. So if, if, if you could think of every type of job within an artist, like I guess umbrella BJ at one point has probably done that for me. Like mm-hmm. tour manage, creative direct, music videos, cover art graphics. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch merch. I mean, he's like literally done basically every hat you can wear. He's, he's done. So secret he's weapon. Young You're the secret weapon, bro. Um, yeah. So that video, good, better, best. It gives great insight into life on the road with y'all like touring, meeting your fans. How long did you film that video? And I want to know what that experience was like watching it at the end for both you and Quill. Um, I mean, that's just, that was a culmination of, I think, like three tours. Um, and I mean, the best part is we have all these memories from so many tours and Kevin knows touring too. Like Kevin goes out and tours and that life is so crazy. Um, you sort of forget, like when you're living in the moment, you, you forget, uh, that you're living such a crazy life. Um, but the big thing with all those videos is we actually don't really release a ton of visuals with Quill just because, I mean, the transparent truth is like perception is everything. And the fact that we don't have dozens of thousands of dollars to put into visuals, we feel like, you know, we could do the, like doing cheap visuals could degrade his quality of music because he's making music at such an elite level that if we don't have crazy visuals behind it that match that um, match that like quality, then, you know, it could degrade it. So that's one insight. No. Yeah. But to, but to his point, like, I think that video was literally just like in between all the different jobs he had on that tour, he would just kind of record and, you know, he'd just press record and he would do it tastefully and like try to get good candid moments of us and, it wasn't, I don't, BJ, I could be wrong, but I don't think like we went into that tour saying we're going to make a, that video. Like, I feel like maybe halfway through it was like, we have enough footage, maybe we should try, you know? But it that, that video was like very, very, very candid. And I feel like watching it now, kind of like he's saying, you're always living in the moment a little bit. So like even to watch that video and kind of think like where we're at now on the last tour, like even just the headline tour, um, it's kind of just like a reminder, like, okay, we're making baby steps, you know? Or was your reaction like, we did that? Like, we just did all of that? Well, it's tough because I got that competitive edge. Like, I grew up playing sports. So, like, I'm, I'm very appreciative of what I've done and what I have, but I'm always it – it's, like, good and bad. It's kind of like a double-edged sword, but I'm always like, okay, we did that. Now we got we to gotta do something bigger, you know? Yeah. And that's like yeah. a double-edged sword yeah. for me. Um, Cause like I, sometimes I don't always appreciate the moment that I'm in. I'm always just like looking to the next thing. Um, but yeah. Well, it's a good thing you have that video. Hell yeah. <laughs> we'll look back you know? on the 10 years from now, you know? Exactly. And you kind of been at this for a while, right? Like almost what? eight nine years technically yeah i would say i would say like my official i guess like starting point was my album in 2016 before that it was just kind of like you know like you were passionate about you know some people are passionate about basketball and they go to the the park and play basketball you know they don't have like intentions of going pro that was kind of like me in college like i just really enjoyed making music and i really enjoyed playing music um but it wasn't until i graduated college which shout out my dad he made me finish <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if that's i don't know if that's good or bad i kind of set, feel like maybe we set you behind a couple of years but who knows hey, who knows part of the process right um but no i didn't start taking it like really serious until it was like okay the world is kind of my oyster now i don't really have anything i don't have class you know so it was like let me just put out a record I believe in 2016 and kind of the way he was talking about all the people I met on the road and the impressions I made just during college, like opening shows for kind of whoever we could get. Um, the album charted on iTunes and started kind of spreading organically. And from there it was just kind of like, all right, 
let's just uh let's just do this um well even in you know even in the past five years you've put out or a little more than that you've put out four albums and you put out three singles this year so it's not like you're not working (laughs) yeah no (laughs) that's uh i'm just a big i'm just a big album guy it's like it's good and bad because i know in like the current modern music consumption age world whatever you want to call it we're in it's like very just people consume music so fast and it's just something that i really like to do is make albums um i was gonna ask you i was actually gonna ask you about that what your philosophy is on sitting on music versus planning album releases versus putting out singles oh me and bj probably bullshit about this probably what bj like twice every two weeks (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do probably sit on music longer than I should. Um, but it's all just a part of my process, I guess. Um, cause albums to me are like, uh, you know, whenever I think about my favorite artists, I always think about projects instead of songs. And that's just kind of what I guess inspires me is to make like a really cohesive body of work. And sometimes they're not always as easy. Like the album before this one took a year and a half because, um, being from Indiana and where I was in life, like my dad was talking about how he was playing a lot of seventies and eighties music in the house sometimes along with the blink One Eighty Two and stuff and the young Jeezy. But I wanted to make like a seventies and eighties inspired album. And it took a second to like get in the right mind frame to do that. But I like album processes better than single processes, but I know that uh, today's current world, it's not always the, the, the best play as far as like a business standpoint goes, but you know how it goes. There's always a double-edged sword to it all. Well, and I think it depends on what kind of artist you want to be. I think that fans appreciate concept albums and fans are also impatient. So um, either way you will have fans and, and, and if they're impatient because they want more music, that's not really a bad problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. Um, and, you know, you talked about the album process. Kevin, I'd love to hear about what the process is like in the in the studio while you're producing. Is is this like a full collaborative um, effort or does Quill write first or do you have a beat first? Is there a concept first? Like walk us through it a bit. OK, so everything everything with us is basically conceptual. Um, a lot of times. Uh, Mitch will come up, he'll he'll have, well, not all the time, but sometimes he'll have lyrics. Sometimes, I mean, it, it's kind of all, it's kind of different yeah. depending on the day and depending on what we, how we're, how we're feeling. Because um, some days, you know, I'll come in and I'll be like, okay, I got an idea. And some days he'll come in and he's like, listen, I got these ideas. Go for it. And, um, and then sometimes he'll give me a concept. And, you know, as a producer, you know, our main job is to get songs from uh, conceptual to actual to uh, physical or to in a place where we can where we can it's palatable for people. So a lot of times it's important that we do talk through stuff and we do have concepts, but we also, you know, get it down and get uh, get, get to the work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like damn near every song on this album has had a different process located. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I feel like there was like not been one song that it was like, we did the same thing on like, like it was science. I feel like everyone's been different. And I think at the, at the beginning of the record, like at the beginning of this new album that we're working on, like I was a little bit like, uh, I, I tend to overproduce a little bit sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I like super like when I came out here I was like overproduced mode. Like I was just like overproducing everything and then I call Kev uh he's basically like my Tim Duncan, you know. <laughs> he just comes in and he's just like he knows exactly what I was trying to do but he makes it palatable. Like he makes it very digestible and like very clean and sleek where I was like trying to add like hella shit to it. Like I was trying to add like almost too much. Um, so I've kind of like taken a back burner now. Sometimes I'll just walk in and be like, yo, Kev, I tracked these vocals over a random beat. Like that's how one bedroom apartment came about. 
was I I right. tracked the song over a random beat, and he just took the vocals and made the whole song around it. He trying to put too much compression, and Kevin is like, "No more compression." <laughs> oh, I, oh, I yeah, tried to do it all. <laughs> I tried to do it all. Absolutely. I'd be like, "Yeah, we should add strings and choir and here, and then maybe a horn section." And it's like, <laughs> no, nah, man, it's riding as it is. And I'm like, but you know, Wait. just being a, you you're know, right. Being be, being a person that uh, that has done that for a long time, it's just like sometimes that can cause people to not understand the actual point that you're trying to get across. You know, sometimes it might, sometimes a song might not have music. Sometimes a song might not have drums. It just really depends on the energy that the song is asking for as you're working on it. And once you get to the end, you know what I mean? Well, and, and a kudos to y'all, you know, Quill, your writing is so, which everyone's been saying this whole talk, is you're such a storyteller that every song is like, you're almost walking someone in their imagination through a movie. And so you're kind of already distracted by what's gonna happen next in the story, whereas other rappers depend on the beat and the melody and the auto-tune to like turn up the whole club, right? Um, I appreciate so you have that. that. You have that going for you, which is great. No, I really, I really do appreciate that because I do like tend to sit over stuff for a long time. But I think there's like one gym that I learned like uh, over the last like four months, and like I saw John Mayer kind of talk about it in like a similar sense where it's like if I have a concept or like an idea, like sometimes I tried. Like, especially in the last, like, probably, like, year and a half, I would try to take big concepts and stuff them into, like, a song. Like, uh, like you can't just fit the whole idea of growing up into a song. It's like, you got to try to capture, like, one specific feeling about growing up and capture that feeling really well, if that makes sense. It does. Especially kids in the summer. Yeah. It's very detailed with that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so now, like, I feel like things are really taking off. You are part of the SoundCloud First on SoundCloud Accelerator program with all these other amazing artists. Do you remember when you first discovered SoundCloud and tell us about your journey on there and congratulations for being part of this dope ass program? No, yeah. When we got the, the email to be a part of it, we were all stoked. Um, I mean... I've been, I, f I feel like I've been ripping stuff off of SoundCloud and listening to stuff off of SoundCloud when I was in high school, like a long time ago. Cause it was always just the place to find new music. Like I remember finding Chance on SoundCloud, Post Malone on SoundCloud. Um, some of his early cuts were on SoundCloud when I was in college. So I've been listening and using the platform for like a long, long time. So when it all kind of started happening, it was like, shit, this feels. It was another one of those moments we were talking about where it's like, you know, you look back and it's like, damn, you know, let me just take a moment to just kind of live in this one for a second, you know? 100%. And you mentioned in a previous interview that you had to learn how to run a business on top of the creative side, which is probably my favorite thing to talk about. It's such an important point. Um, what differences did you learn between the two and are you better at one than the other <laughs> i'm definitely better at the creative stuff um the business stuff is like very very hard um and i had to lean on my dad a lot in the early times um and i'm still like learning how to how to still run it it's like not it's not easy especially because for me it's like very two different parts of the brain like i can't do them at the same time so it's kind of got to be like a compartmentalization thing where it's like, okay, for the next, especially back in the day, I got help now a little bit, but like back in the day, it was very much so like, okay, I need to sit and think about how the heck we're going to afford the tour. And BJ would help a lot on the budgeting stuff like that. But I would definitely say I'm way better at the creative side and I got a lot of help on the business side and I still feel like we're still learning. Um, you know, there's always stuff to learn. So, um, but it's not, it, it definitely wasn't easy and it's still not easy, especially being independent. For sure. 
And I'm sure BJ was like, this is how we're going to afford the tour. I'm going to do everything. And you got <laughs> like, that's it. There were definitely times like that, Beach, for sure. <laughs> and we're going to split the $200. It's going to be enough for gas. Sleeping, sleeping in the red roofs, baby. We used to not <laughs> even get ho- – when we first started touring, we, we, we wouldn't book a hotel room. We'd just rely on, like, Mitch having social skills and hoping to crash on someone that was attending the concert. <laughs> yeah, if it, was like, if it was, like, a homie from, like, Texas A&M pulled up to the show and it's like, hey, man. And he's like, yeah, man, I got an extra room in my frat house. And it's like, all right, can we crash? Done. You guys got a shower? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually very creative. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. actually a great idea. That's kind of what I always wondered. I, it, will will the younger kids ever experience that? Because they're kind of building their audiences off the off TikTok or off social media platforms. You guys built yours sleeping on couches and out on the road. Uh, I wonder what the future is going to be like. For sure. Everyone can connect now over social media pretty easily. Um, but you still got to suss out the person if you can actually sleep on yeah. the couch or not. Yeah. Um, so we're going to open this up to any questions. If you have a question in the audience, hit the raise hand button. We'll bring you up one by one. Um, and I'll get to people as they start to uh, show up. Um, I have another question kind of about the future. Um, in terms of as we're like kind of opening up, maybe not sort of, maybe in the fall, how does the future of, of performing and touring look for you? Um, we're making uh, some stuff behind the scenes right now. So we're still like not totally sure, but um, we're, we're, we're really trying to get out um, hopefully early 2022. Okay. Um, but yeah, we have uh, Lollapalooza coming up. We have a couple festivals. Kevin's doing the set for Lala. Um, I think everybody in here is going to be at 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 the show. So we're we're really looking forward to that one. And it's coming up. It's like ten days away. So stoked to get back out. Wow, that's right. That's going to be monumental. Yeah. Y'all are going to have a blast. You might cry. My dad might cry. <laughs> He's a crier. I snitched on him. That's all right. He's a coach. Coaches <laughs> cry when players win. <laughs> That's right. Um, I want to welcome Ayotunde to the stage. Welcome to the Clubhouse app. If you have a question for Kid Quill, uh, please unmute and ask away. Um, I've been listening to your music since like 2017, since I was like in eighth, sixth grade. So I'm in ninth now. So uh, my question is, when would you realize that you have made it? First off, I, I like really appreciate it. You're one of the day ones. Been here for a while. Um, it's kind of hard because like it's a double edged sword. Like I feel like the first time that I felt like all this shit was paying off was when I did the headline show in India and there was like 800 kids and it was like it was it looked like a sea of people and everyone knew the words. But I still feel like, you know, I got a chip on my shoulder. Um and I still feel like I have a lot to prove. And so like that, I feel like that truly made a moment for me. Um, I'm still hunting for it and I'm like super, super hungry for it. So I do appreciate you being here. Um, keep spreading the music too. Yeah, thanks. What's your favorite song of Kid Quills? Um, the opener. That's Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Have you ever been to a show? No, I'm still. I live in DC, so we got to get you out. Yeah, we'll get Love you out. Yeah, yeah. Look at that, making dreams it. come true. Um, Ayotunde, thank you so much. Your background is fire. I like the dual colors. I'm moving you back down. Anyone else that has a question, please raise your hand. One question that I love asking as we kind of close it out, and this is for everyone on stage, is. Tell us about a time in life, can be music related or not, but would help if it was, where you almost gave up on your passion, but then didn't. And I I always say that this is kind of a really important thing for other people to hear, um, especially those that are trying to take that leap and follow what they love, but either haven't seen enough success stories for it or uh are are too scared so let's start with bj and then we'll go around and think of a time when you wanted to give up 
and you didn't and tell us that story man putting the pressure on me to think of go first uh, <laughs> we can start with quill uh, I struggle with that. I'm I'm pretty confident that I've been wanting to do this forever. So um, BJ is like the most confident guy ever. Like he, <laughs> seriously, he's like there's no plan B. Yeah, I mean, I literally I got a tattoo on me that was just like the letter A because like I was like I don't believe in a plan B. Um, so it's sort of hard. But I mean, oh, wow. There's definitely like long nights and stuff like that where you know you just gotta remember the, the the bigger the bigger picture on everything and um i think none of us all of us know like you know none of us do this for the money or any fame or anything like that because the ultimate goal is to impact people's lives and you see that um through dms and you know live concerts and stuff like that so that's that's what keeps you going all the time you you have the letter a tattooed on you as a reminder that there's no plan b 100 percent, yeah <laughs> that is hardcore um he's I also from indiana it. he's got a pick and roll he's got wow. like the he's got like the uh basketball pick and roll on him wow okay <laughs> BJ for president all right uh quill what about you um there's always times where it's like you know where you sit back and think like like BJ said, those late nights where it's like, dude, is this shit like really worth it? And then, you know, you see a DM, you know, I get them like daily now where it's like, yo, this song saved my life or yo, I was, I was serving overseas and this was like all I played while I was there. And like, that's the shit that for me keeps me going. Um, but I do specifically remember, I have to look at the date, um, and eventually I want to use this note, but I don't know what for, but I did type out like a really long note in my phone one time. It was years ago, maybe like 2017, 2016, where I was like, I, I've never wanted to quit more than I wanted to quit now. Um, and I, I still have that note in my phone. Um, and sometimes I look at it. Um, but whatever that date was, that was probably the day that I was the closest. Um, but I use it now as like a reminder why I do it, I guess. Mm. I love that. Um, Doug, I feel like you probably have a lot of phrases for this being a basketball coach. <laughs> uh, but let's hear, let's hear what you have to say. Well, I would say with, with this process, I wanted to quit every time I was getting home at five in the morning and having to go to work at seven, uh, when we were Ooh. getting home from a show, um, those were good times, but tough times. We always, we always tried to keep the shows within like a five or six hour circle. So I could get back for work the next day. Um, and those were tough times, but I, you know, I don't think for, for this group, there was never really a serious moment of quit because the, those DMS and message that, that BJ talked about, they started to come pretty early about, I don't know, bitch, if you saw, you got another one today and you, you tend to get, you know, about five or six a week of, kids that reach out and say, Hey, your, um, your music is saving my life. You, I was in deep depression and I was thinking about taking my, I get emotional thinking about it. I was thinking about taking my own life and, and, uh, your music is so upbeat and I understand there's a process and so on. So I don't think there's any quit. And I think if, if you're struggling with it, I think from my older perspective, you just got to trust your instincts and believe in yourself. Uh, and, and then just let things ebb and flow. That's, that's life. Things are going to be up and things are going to be down, but it, as long as you trust your instincts and keep showing up. And there was an old basketball practice that Mitch remembers about the importance of showing up. Uh, just keep showing up and being yourself and trust yourself and, and things will work out. And, and Jasmine, I bet you've had that in your life too. I mean, it looks like you've pivoted a lot in your life and um, just keep going. You know, it'll, it'll work out. Things will be fine. Listen, I think, I think Doug should be <laughs> season two host. Uh, first on SoundCloud, <laughs> and I'll just kick back and join in on the talks. Yo, uh, at that uh, at that at that basketball practice he was talking about, I was a I was a player, and my man's told the team, show up with a bucket, and you can't leave practice until you puke. Oh boy! And everyone was scared to show up, and we ran like one suicide. And he was like, the hardest part about life is just showing up. Mm. And then we just kind of kicked it the rest of practice. Mm. Drop the gem on us. It's like a Jedi mind trick. I thought I'd get the horn on that one. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> I was just thinking in my about my whole life. Um, yeah, that's amazing, Kevin. Uh, what about what about you? Um, I have a a lot of moments, but one particular moment. Um, so I'm I'm uh, married and I have kids, and you know, working in the music industry can be kind of kind of daunting with children and uh and a, and a family and um i had just got well i just quit working with a particular a huge group and uh i was just at home like man i don't know what i'm gonna do and i got a phone call um from one of my friends and he was like man these guys called me to work on this movie but i can't do it do you want to do it? And I was like, man, I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I showed up, the elevator opens, and it's like uh, Eddie Murphy and Beyonce standing there when the, when the elevator opens. And I'm like, what the hell movie is this? You know what I'm <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, man, this is kind of crazy. You know, I'm like, all right. And uh, I came in, I sat down and played. And again, before, right before that, um, you know, I, and I had had, you know, pretty, you know, pretty moderate success. I had a couple of really big singles that came out, but I was like, man, you know, I, I like, man, maybe it's, maybe it's time for me to kind of, you know, hang it up and try to try something else. But um, I played on the movie and the movie came out and became a huge success. And the movie was Dreamgirls. Uh, and then after that, I worked on Kung Fu Panda and a, and a host of other movies. Uh, and then I worked on, you know, a lot of a, pretty much uh, mostly everybody, pretty much everybody's favorite hip hop artists. I probably worked with them at one time from Drake to everybody. And the thing that I learned is kind of what, similar to what Doug was saying was the only losers are the people that quit. And if you have, if you just keep going, eventually it's going to work itself out. Because I've seen this so many times with so many different, I mean, like even when I was working with Kanye at the beginning, when I worked with Kanye at the beginning of his career, nobody liked him. Everybody, he got, you know, people talked about him like a dog. They talked about how bad he rapped and his beats were weird. And he was walking around with an SB 1200, but due to the fact that he just, he knew that, he knew what he was and knew what he was going to give. Uh, he just never quit. And I just, as long as you never quit and you keep going, at some point, things are going to work themselves out. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to be the most famous artist in the world. Now, it could, it could pivot and you wind up doing something else in the same industry. But, um, you know, things will work out as long as you just, as long as you show up. Okay, I got the air horn ready this time. <laughs> I, had, I had it ready. Um, yeah, preach on, Kevin. Um, and uh, what a moment with the elevator opens and Eddie Murphy and Beyonce are there. I'm like, so Crazy. you're going to, this is the movie you're going to work on. Um, and it sounds like you're in great hands, Quill. Like, no, nah, I'm blessed. Every... I'm very blessed. <laughs> like, for everyone on this stage, you're kind of hitting all, all the marks. Uh, in terms of what a dream team, you know, needs and and what you need to take you to like a, a a level of success that lasts forever. So, you know, kudos to all of you because um, you're all inspirational. I feel like we learned so much. Um, like I said, I just need a VIP ticket to the LA show. You're in there. Um, cool, and uh, I'll be hanging out with uh, Grandma and Doug. Um, taking shots in the VIP, whatever we want to do. Tequila only. And we're all we're all family now. So yeah. everyone that's in the audience, please, please follow everyone on this stage. Follow the SoundCloud Club and Quill. Any closing remarks? Things we need to look out for in the near near future. Yeah, I think the last thing I want to say is like, you know, like shit is not always sweet, like. I'm, I'm sure that I'll have, you know, like conversations with everybody that was on stage with me now. 
like we're still working out kinks and we're still figuring shit out. Like it's never like an end goal, you know, like it is like, you know, we're up here talking about all the good times and the bad times, but like it, like shit is not always sweet. And just like anyone that's listening, that's like also trying to figure out what they want to do. Um, just know that it's not as easy as everyone always makes it sound sometimes in interviews. Um, you really got to kind of put your nose down. You know what I mean? Um, but as far as like what's coming up, we have Lollapalooza next Saturday at the BMI stage, 4.30. Um, and uh, we have a record. We have an album that we're kind of putting some touches on right now. Um, I don't have, I don't want to speak and say the wrong time frame, but there's an album. Woohoo. All right, cool. And that's, so and that's where we're coming at. up. And potential tour 2022. So there's a lot in store um i feel like you're just getting started and thank you all for for sharing your life and your gems today i appreciate you having us thanks for having us for sure i'm coming i'm hanging out with y'all real soon um vip at the show (laughs) 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 all right guys everybody thank you so so much make sure to follow the soundcloud club and we will see you soon for another talk first on soundcloud clubhouse sessions. Take care, y'all.